Still Look Pretty, the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sit Still Look Pretty podcast. We're your hosts, Summer and Vanessa. And well, 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 we are back with another commercial awareness episode for you guys today. Drum roll, please. Bada, 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 bada. <laughs> Don't quit your day job yet. Yeah, I'm not planning on it. <laughs> um, you might catch us on X Factor, guys. Anyway, fashion industry post-COVID-19. Post-COVID. Let's undress the whole situation, yeah. shall we? I think we first have to actually define what fast fashion is because it's going to be a really hot topic in this episode. And I think a lot of people have seen it on the rise on social media, a lot of news articles about it as well i think a lot of people have have had a lot more time to actually assess the whole fashion industry situation i mean we've been all just been sat at home yeah (laughs) not like we have anything else to do i do think that a lot of things have been addressed during this pandemic that weren't previously addressed and i think maybe we're better for it yeah i mean i'm definitely seeing a lot of people grow Mm -hmm. a lot of people mature a lot Mm -hmm. of people that used to value certain things in the Mm -hmm. past now value different things and Mm -hmm. it's honestly it's really beautiful to see everybody's everybody's had a change for the better it seems yeah except a couple of people you all know who you are oh my god (laughs) (laughs) but anyway back to the topic so we i'm going to define fast fashion as a term used to describe a highly profitable business model based on replicating catwalk trends and high designs and mass producing them at a lower cost according to google according to google (laughs) you gotta give the credit where credit is due (laughs) yes google has saved us with that definition because i just want to pick up on the replication Mm. part of this definition because obviously we've spoken about intellectual property in the past in relation to calling the caterpillar and marks and spencers and aldi you know the whole fiasco and this is a very very nuanced argument Mm. but nonetheless it deserves recognition this replication of catwalk trends is basically taking the work of a designer Mm. and making it affordable Mm. and making it sometimes cheaper by thousands of pounds and i think we're going to talk about this later on in this episode but i just thought i would flag that up with you guys right now yeah i mean a hundred percent we yeah we're going to discuss it later so i'm not really going to get into like the facts of it now and we're going to talk about kim kardashian kanye west and them not later so stay tuned which might be more interesting than calling the caterpillar (laughs) hey don't just colin colin no but anyway so since the 2000s european fashion brands went from releasing just two new collections per year to up to 24 as per the european parliament that's what they've come out and said and linking to that fast fashion definition that we gave at the beginning i think during covid we saw a massive rise in loads of collections coming out constantly we're going to link this to influencer culture shortly but i think a lot more of these fashion brands these fast fashion brands in particular had a lot more time to mass produce a lot more things obviously there was a limit to how many people could be in the workplace but the whole point of this fast fashion industry is this cheap labor it's not all in the uk they're not usually in uk factories it's usually in like factories in asia and africa and things like that where they can pay their laborers a lot less than what you know you would probably have to pay someone in the uk for and that is why they've been mass producing and people haven't really had much else to do especially leaving their jobs but to buy clothes this is what i was saying the the way the covid19 pandemic has halted the world 
what these indus what this industry essentially had was an army of mm. people sitting at home with money because furlough and some of them yeah. were made redundant but that wasn't until the second half mm. of 2020 let's talk here about specifically march to say june july mm. 2020 right you had an army of people who were just sitting at home day on day in and day out with money basically ready to spend now they couldn't spend it on anything else mm. so what the industry has had to do is had to step up its ma- its yeah. production rate because Obviously, if you were a business owner and you saw potential to maximize mm. your profit, you obviously would. Yeah. So it was the perfect time. And also no one knew how long the pandemic was actually going to last. Yeah. A lot of us didn't think it was going to last this long. So obviously at the beginning, especially in 2020, they were mass producing like on a massive level because they really wanted to take up the opportunity that people were just sitting at home doing nothing. And I guess it was also their own insecurity as well because mm. they didn't, it was an uncertain time for them as exactly. well. So they wanted to maximize as much as possible to exactly. save them from uh, potentially collapsing. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they did see... Only. A, I mean, only, yeah. A 12.3% decrease in 2020. I mean, it's considerably less than other industries, though. By, by, by miles. Yeah, I mean, PwC, a little report that we found when researching for you guys, said that it's going to take four years for it to make a full recovery, the hotel industry in comparison and it's it's the well the pandemic is basically losing the hospitality well it was not so yeah. much anymore now but it was losing 200 million pounds a day that's colossal and i think we can make a really good comparison here right eat out to help out that was the hospitality's fast fashion industry that was like their saving grace that like that's what the government tried to do to kind of save the hospitality industry from like going completely bust basically irrelevant and then you had obviously for the fashion industry it was fast fashion places like boohoo misguided pretty little thing all of those places even h&m and all of those kind of industries who are also fast fashion and have online apps i don't think it well i don't i kind of disagree because i think it was actually good for the environment eat out to help out environmentally i feel like restaurants always stock up on a lot of ingredients Mm. and they buy mass buy a lot of things right and sometimes they don't go through all of them but i think with eat out to help out because of the reduced prices Mm. i feel like they they actually used a lot more of their stock but eat out to help out came considerably later so they would have had to buy stock before that anyway so the stock that they bought when everything had to shut would have gone to shit (laughs) anyway would have gone off it would have rotted all of that stuff anyway but yeah just some perspective for you guys to think about (laughs) (laughs) check on your apples but anyway (laughs) so so why are they so successful what fast fashion brands well yeah well because there's nah my grandma (laughs) why is your grandma so successful there's many answers to that question because they're cheap yeah. like they're ch- they're so cheap like look at primark for example primark is the prime example for fast fashion industry one pound socks like five pound t-shirts 10 pound dresses 20 pound blazers like it's so cheap even misguided pretty little thing they're all of similar prices if you think something's expensive on pretty little thing you can go to misguided and get it for cheaper or if you think something well boohoo they all have discount codes and all of these things now but in comparison to the brands that they're replicating gucci louis vuitton all of those kind of dresses miss pap make those kind of dresses misguided miss pap pretty little thing whatever make those kind of dresses make those tops make those blazers those 
those replicas, even their shoes, you know, the whole mesh shoe trend that's going around right now. They replicate oh, the but the Bottega the bot- Yeah, they replicate these so that at a cheaper price so everyone can have it that's why they're so successful well i think one of the main reasons i think there's quite a few well i think socially everybody is concerned with having the most up-to-date mm. fashion and the most up-to-date phone and like i think we've touched on this in a previous episode but it's that social desire mm. to fit in right and not everybody has kylie jenner money not everybody has kanye west money or elon musk money for that matter yeah. and but you still have that desire to fit in so what do you do when you still have desire to fit in but don't have that kind of money mm. you just yeah you just go to fast fashion i mean that desire to fit in stems though from the second reason that i think fast fashion is so successful and that is like influencer culture social media you see a lot of these influencers wearing the latest things but also advertising discount codes for the fast fashion industry places like boohoo like miss pap like misguided you see all of these discount codes and it encourages you to you know want to buy them and when you're sitting at home during covid during a pandemic nothing to do but scroll through social media if you've been made furlough from work and you're not working from home then you're gonna be like oh 20 percent off misguided gonna do that because you're paying attention to it more because you're noticing it more because you have more free time to spend on social media but it also preys on your psychological instincts as well you know like why it's like when you see that notification it's like oh 20 percent off Mm. you're almost kind of like challenging yourself to see if you can find anything to spend your money on yeah but also i think with this fast fashion industry in particular online shops Mm. like pretty little thing boohoo all these retailers what we're seeing with them is uh, monetization of influencer outreach. Mm. So in conventional stores, so, okay, put it this way. Back in the day when you used to go to shop, right? Mm. So say like 20, 30 years ago, you actually used to go to the per- to the shop in person. Right. And there was no influencers there modeling the clothes for no, you to yeah. see how you could pair them yeah. and to see like how you could wear them and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just saw them on a hanger. If you liked them, you liked them. If you didn't, tough. Yeah. And with this industry now, you have people kind of like plastering them also all over social media. Yeah. It kind of makes you want to buy it, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, I think that's the stark comparison between fast fashion and then obviously like, you know, like sustainable fashion and, you know, the more high brands, you know, Burberry, all of that stuff. They don't have discount codes for influencers. Oh, no. Do you know but what they I mean? still they have need to. Yes, but the influencers still post stuff like that yeah but they're still gonna post stuff that they can that they're wearing burberry or they'll tag the brands in hopes that they'll get a brand deal but those brands you never you don't see burberry advertised on your instagram feed why because there's no need because it's burberry they've already got their name because their customers don't well i don't think they sit around probably not looking at their tv and phone all day probably probably not but also they have a reputation it's linking to that intellectual property argument you made like all of these other fast fashion brands preying on high fashion brands who have their running on the coattails of them they're clinging onto the coattails of these high fashion brands because oh that really looks like you know those Bottega shoes I'm gonna buy them because they're 25 pound here and an arm and a leg at Bottega you see what I mean so yeah it's crazy but it's uh, it's definitely very interesting to to point out that mm. in traditional 
the the traditional fashion system you didn't have this middleman no. influencer who was modeling the clothes no. i mean you'd go to fashion week but i would not really class fashion week as the same as a, as an influencer no and the influencer is getting money because obviously they're promoting it and then the brand is getting sales mm. as well so it's a definite sort of an amendment to the traditional business model that i thought we should point out yeah i think as well like the tradition to like even people bringing out new businesses in terms of like the even if it's their own authentic kind of fashion brand, they're still reaching out to influencers because there's this transition of, well, I don't have a reputation. I can't just buy a shop, a shop front somewhere and sell it. So instead, I'm going to reach out to these influencers who I know are going to reach 100k different people at any given time. And if anything, it's cheaper than opening up a, sh- a whole shop from yeah, scratch. Yeah, it is. No one really wants that authenticity so much anymore. But to be fair, to be completely honest, it is more worthwhile as a business model because of how businesses are run nowadays. But this is the downside, I think, to fast fashion. The relationship between seller and buyer is broken like when you go to like Burberry or when you go to Louis Vuitton or Gucci you have a stark relationship with the person who you're purchasing it from because they know everything about the fashion they know the history of the bag they know the history of everything that's going on in the shop floor they know what's good what isn't what's coming up in fashion what isn't but when you buy these clothes from online or like misguided boohoo whoever these especially obviously since COVID that's what most people are doing if there's an error with your delivery and things like that, who do you reach out to? I've seen people reach out on Twitter, post things on Twitter and want to get a response. Like it's it's not as an effective business model. It's effective for the seller, but the buyer is still left kind of shorthanded with it. And it makes it a lot more of a complex relationship because you're buying all of this stuff, but you could purchase something, put something in your basket, two minutes it's sold out. And then where are you going to go for it now? Yeah, I think it's, it's a madness if I'm being if I'm being <laughs> honest. So we've covered the fact that they're cheap and considering that so many people have been made redundant throughout the pandemic, it's basically all that they can afford and potentially it's all that they will ever be able to afford throughout their whole entire life. Not everybody is going to make hundreds of Ks a year mm. and not everybody's gonna be a millionaire. So mm. this is how people will just be able to satisfy that psychological need to to fit in. Mm. And obviously the birth of brand deals and influencer collabs and and stuff like that. Let's talk about Love Island for a second because (laughs) Love Island is on at the moment. And it's, I guess, I was on the tube the other day and they were playing the Love Island. No um, way. Yes, way. You know, over the speaker where they usually say like, mind the gap between the train. Really? I kid you not. Yes. This is why I don't get on TFL. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Love Island is like, I would say right now, probably the number one thing that drives sales to these places. Uh, You know what? It does have a very big impact on fast fashion because a lot of what the contestants on Love Island wear are then put in magazines. What's the, where's this dress from? Miss Pap. Where's those shoes from? Misguided. Like it's a lot about what the influencers are wearing influencers they're not actually influencers yet well the fact that you say that actually blows my mind because one week ago there were nobodies yeah like <laughs> but people go into love i personally think people go into 
apart from the first series and the first two series of Love Island, I think they just genuinely went in for love, I guess. But like the more recent series, I think a lot of people got this opinion from like the Molly May series. That was the one just before this one, right? No, I think it was like two series ago. I think it was 2019. Was it? Oh, actually, no. I think no, it, was, it was the one just before. It was the winter Love Island. Yes. yes. So, yeah, I don't watch Love Island very often, as you can tell. But everyone had the opinion that they're just going in there for brand deals. And I think that's very much what happened. Because as soon as these Love Island lovers saw that these Love Island contestants were coming out with Boohoo brand deals and things like that. They were like, oh, I want to go on Love Island and get my name out there because some of them already had a significant amount of followers before. Probably that's probably part of the criteria now, who knows? But then a lot of them come out with loads of different brand deals in the fast fashion industry. So I think it's very much been a driving force behind Love Island in itself, the effect it has on us, but also the effect that it has on people wanting to apply. 100% I think (laughs) back with the ad list hello 100% no but yeah I uh it's totally it's ridiculous that they just go in in there thinking oh I'm gonna be a celebrity and I'm gonna make it so big and the thing is though right that the the thing with Love Island is is so it's so ludicrous to me because people have this halo effect right of People, like, you see somebody on TV, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter whether you've only seen them on TV for, like, 0.3 seconds, but because you've seen them on TV, now, because of the halo effect, you think that they're some sort of celebrity. (laughs) Like (laughs) I feel like people on Love Island and influencers are idolised. I mean, we've discussed this in the Influencer Culture episode last, the episode just before this one, and I think it does have a very massive, a major effect on the fast fashion industry during COVID particularly, because all you're doing is watching TV, re-watching Love Island, for example, re-watching other reality TV shows, scrolling through social media, and... like a lot of people are just looking at their fashion they're looking at what they're wearing the latest trends because it's now up to influencers to set the latest trends not many people are following you know models and things like that anymore because influencers are the new models like a lot you see a lot of the people that go into love island and say oh i'm a model oh yeah i'm an ig model you know it's not the most it's not the traditional way of thinking and there's nothing wrong with that but that's really like been the transition in the fashion industry take crocs for example (laughs) while we are talking about love island so faye and chugs were both wearing crocs were they actually yeah they were wearing crocs in in the villa really and that was the I last episode i, I watched. watched that was the last i can't remember even what episode that was but anyway i watched it on itv hub and then everyone was like oh crocs 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 did you see chugs wearing crocs did you see faye wearing crocs i want purple crocs i want and it's just like huh you didn't want crocs before you are the same vanessa vanessa never used to like me and vanessa have been friends but let me just state it wasn't after i watched love island no it was it was after it was a run it crocs have been kind of a running trend for a few months now from social media because everyone is apparently wearing crocs on tiktok and instagram right but vanessa me and vanessa have been friends for three years i'm just gonna throw that out there never has this girl mentioned crocs to me then all of a sudden it's trending on on tiktok and instagram and this girl's like oh i think i'd really like a pair of crocs especially for the summer and i'm sitting there thinking you've never once spoken about crocs before ever and now all of a sudden it's trending this is the problem this is the problem i'm gonna rock my crocs sorry but if i listen i think crocs are cute no one is safe from influencer culture 
and the effects on the fashion industry. No one is safe. By the way, guys, uh, I know you can't see that visually, but uh, Summer said that whilst she looked me dead in the <laughs> eyes, she said, no one is safe. So, um... Anyway, uh, if you see me with Crocs, know that I'm looking for a new co-host and best friend. <laughs> yeah, because I will dip. <laughs> I will run away. I'll I don't think she would want to even be near me with Crocs. If I see Crocs, I will burn them. No, no. Uh, they're not that bad, but I don't think they're a very nice footwear. To, to the beach, maybe. To the pool, maybe. Day-to-day life, walking down Oxford Street, big no-no. <laughs> like... but anyway let's talk about the power of influencer culture on authenticity in the fashion industry and how you know you have influencers like say i think emma chamberlain is the best Mm. the best one that i can think of the best example but i think i don't actually know her history very well but i know i do know that she's quite quirky and she's a bit of a a bit of a trendsetter so I think that she started out her social media career by just literally just posting her outfits because she was no she was on she was a YouTuber first and right. then gradually as her popularity grew everyone started focusing more on her fashion I think since the fashion industry grew a bit more on social media right but I think obviously people started liking her and people started seeing her as a bit of a trendsetter because Mm. she's obviously very quirky in the way Mm. she dresses and she doesn't just buy things that are available and just kind of like wears what everybody Mm. else is wearing and so in a way she has the power to to manipulate I guess the authenticity of the fashion industry Mm. because she could come out tomorrow wearing, let's just use the croc example, because that, <laughs> let's just stick to that. Uh-huh. And I think everybody would want to be like, oh my God, I want to wear crocs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Myself included. So, yeah, I feel like people are just kind of just going with whatever their idols are wearing yeah, and think, replicating it. Yeah, I think this massively links to something. I was talking to Olivia the other day about there's a museum that has a jumper that Harry Styles wore. Because of the impact that him wearing that jumper had. Do you remember on TikTok where everyone was making that knitted jumper with the flowers on it? I think it had flowers on it. Oh, is that the one that he wears in the um, green one. watermelon sugar heart or something like that? I can't... I, I think it might be. I don't know enough about Harry Styles. Not Sh- me either. Shoot me if you want to. But it's literally in a museum now because of the impact that it had. People were knitting their own jumper. Yeah. Exactly. Like the impact that celebrities and people who are idolized, whether they're an influencer or, or, you know, if you want a musician, a movie star, whoever, YouTuber like Emma Chamberlain, the effect that they can have on the fashion industry is very much watched by the fast fashion industries. It's why they give them like discount codes for things. It's why even, okay, we're going to discuss this a bit later on, but even uh, Emma Chamberlain uses Depop a lot and she advertises for Depop a lot, which is obviously the reverse. Because she knows the power she has. Yeah, which is the obviously the reverse of the fast fashion industry. It's more about sustainability in that sense. But all of these kind of fashion industry brands, these fashion industry businesses, they all kind of look at influencers, look at these celebrities as a way to get their name out there. It is a massive effect that it has on, on the industry. I guess it's it's been good when, when we consider impacts and particularly positive impacts. The rise in online shopping mm. throughout this pandemic, I guess it stimulated the economy at a time at which the economy needed to be mm. stimulated because everything had everything else had come at a halt mm. and fashion and I guess food delivery services were pretty much the only 
contributors. Yeah, Uber Eats and Deliveroo and things like that. Yeah, and the online supermarkets. Mm, and yeah. yeah. They really, they really did, were the backbone. They carried, they carried the economy. They were our backbone during COVID. And I guess, like, obviously, fast fashion, I think, has more downsides than it does to, uh, than it does upsides. But it, it did, during COVID, it, that was a very positive effect they did massively benefit from that and you can't really hate on them for doing that because you as a business owner you want to benefit from whatever circumstance arises but when you think of the impact it's had on the planet and the waste and stuff I I guess the positive kind of starts to become a little bit bled out I think the impact that it had on climate change and you know sustainability and all of those um, arguments on cheap labor and things like that and child labor even the positives are not positives anymore if you look at it solely and based of covid and the economy it's a great positive effect but the overall effect of fast fashion there is nothing positive about it like at all yeah uh well let's just talk about a few down the downsides before we move on to the next part but uh yeah fast fashion cheap labor Mm. environment issues the trends, they come and go. I think it's something like 92 million tons of waste per year. It's just colossal. And you have a lot of the stores that just basically have the same staff. It's like they copy and paste. There's no authenticity. There's no... It's just like... It's it's as if these brands hire designers and it's like, okay, copy the high fashion clothes, but obviously don't make it too obvious. No. Like, here's my homework. Don't copy it, though. Yeah. That's exactly what they do. Yeah. That is exactly the point of it all. It's and then it's really sad because small businesses that have really nice stuff, often they don't even get seen yeah. because of... Yeah, it's true. But that's how trends work. Yeah. You know. And I mean? also you have the disposability. Like I think it's one in third women look at clothes after they've worn them once and they're like, oh, that's old now. Like they don't wear it again. See, I do that myself, to be honest. See, I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm also that person that's like, oh, I'm going to brunch, need a new outfit. And I'm like... But I think that's also, it builds the excitement. Yeah, I think it, it makes it an event. I mean, it's just, it's bad. We are sad, guys. <laughs> yeah, that is bad. Like, speaking it out loud makes it seem, like, shows me how, how bad I, it kind of is. And also, it just it just leads to a... I guess it's led to a drop in fashion standards. Mm. You have a lot of age disappropriation, a lot of young girls wearing Pretty Little Thing. Pretty Little Thing is not a brand for anybody under the age of, I would say, 16, maybe even more. Yeah. Uh, It's not, it's just not. Some of the clothing that they have is very revealing. Like, listen, I'm all about body positivity and I'm all about all of that. But after a certain age... I feel like let children be children. Like, why can't there be a fast... Ugh, this is awful. But if you are really... Fast fashion is going to be around no matter what until we actually completely get rid of it. Make a fast fashion industry business for kids. But to get to completely get rid of fast fashion, you would have to increase wages. You would have to increase yeah a lot salaries. Yeah, a you'd lot have to completely change. restructure everything. Yeah, but in the long run, it's so much better because there would be less. But then a lot of people will be out of jobs. But there would be like less slavery. Sounds uh, makes it sound cheap labor. But yeah, there'll be less cheap labor. People will be better in circumstances, isn't it? Like the. A lot of the children that work for Primark are paid like a pound an hour. Like that's... That's ridiculous. That's terrifying. 
And even though they live in countries which have, I guess, lower living costs, that's still way yeah. below any any means. But uh, yeah, I just thought I would flag that up about the age appropriation thing. It's at the as it stands, mm-hmm. like I know what you're saying, but as it stands, we don't have one of those. No. And you see a lot of young girls wearing like pretty little thing, misguided, like very yeah. very revealing clothes. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about fast fashion and intellectual property. So, obviously, as we've said, fast fashion is a term used for highly profitable business model based on replicating catwalk trends, high fashion designs, and mass producing them at a really low cost. Prime example, Kanye suing... Uh, this is one that is fairly recent, I feel like. more so. Man, than, I love Kanye. <laughs> more so than the Kim Kardashian one. But him suing Walmart for copying his shoe design. And obviously, if you listen to the Colin the Caterpillar episode, it is in breach of, you know, the, the trademark, the kind of Yeezy look the reputation that comes from a Yeezy shoe you look at a Yeezy Yeezy shoe oh it's a mouthful you look at a Yeezy shoe and know that it's Yeezy and you know that it comes from Kanye West it's in his entire brand I'm not being funny but his entire shoe range let alone his clothing range is so different to everything else out there it's just why not only just that it comes from Kanye West but why it's so profitable because it's not like anything else in the market so a brand like walmart who are also very big as a brand reselling in allegedly infringing trademarked shoes which look exactly the same is a problem for yeah, because a business it, owner it diminishes the origin it exactly. confuses the customer they don't know if they i guess they have com- they have doubts about the authenticity of the product and its origin anyway i think we've seen the same thing with uh, his ex-wife now kim k that's so sad by the way i know i really believed in real love until that anyway um (laughs) well maybe not kim uh yeah her wanting to sue misguided again for um allegedly again similar infringement over there Mm. but if you would be interested in more of that type of discussion then definitely listen to our call in the caterpillar cake uh, episode we can't go into more detail in this episode because of the time restrictions we don't want to keep you guys here for mm-hmm. like an hour but definitely definitely give that a, a a listen so in terms of what makes fast fashion brands so successful and i guess you could say covid proof mm. so I, th- I think we should maybe talk about the business model and yeah. the differences for 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 a bit for both of them mm. so obviously with covid in during the actual stores post-covid even during covid when shops were allowed to kind of open again restrictions on how many staff you can have how many people you can have in stores that would cause queues deter people from coming in because then they don't want to buy anything because they don't want to wait in a queue the functioning of stores completely changed because obviously everyone had to be covid safe two meters apart everything like that now it's one meter but and obviously less staff less people working change in wages again people can't actually buy things so much anymore in comparison to running an online business you can run an online business from your laptop in your room it doesn't actually matter it doesn't have to be like misguided who is obviously a bigger a lot larger of a workforce but when they're using you know cheap labor in other countries to produce their products it doesn't there's no covid restrictions really that apply because to be fair what they're doing is 
legal in those countries anyway. So obviously that couldn't happen in the UK, for example. But COVID restrictions that have affected the in-store purchasing don't apply to online businesses, which makes them so successful because they can keep running, if not on a hundred times more speed because they're just working from home as they have been the entire time. Yeah, I think the running costs for online businesses is significantly lower than in-person stores. Definitely, if you're even a small, even if you're a big business, say like the likes of Pretty Little Thing or whatever, I would say that running the online business is actually cheaper than the in-person store because you don't have to pay rent for store space in a fancy location you're not gonna you're hardly gonna open up a store in the middle of a field are you Mm. you're most likely gonna have to pay storage costs such as warehouses but those warehouses you can literally put anywhere in the country and it wouldn't cost as much as having to rent out a Mm. fancy space for example say on oxford street Mm. or in westfield or whatever and you have a lot less staff because you just have warehouse staff. And I guess, obviously, if you're a big business, then you have, like, headquarters staff and stuff like that. But let's just let's just keep it simple. Mm. And, yeah, like Summer said, with, um, with the longer queues and mm. the fact that stores, in-person stores, now have to operate with less staff. I was actually in Westfield yesterday, and it was a Sunday. Very bad idea <laughs> for me. <laughs> I just, honestly, there were queues everywhere, and the queues were so so long it was like crazy that people would want to waste so much time waiting in a queue to see the new H&M collection yeah blows my mind but anyway to be fair there is a downside to online these on this the online business model not as large as the in-store one during covid but there have been major delays with the delivery of online fashion brands i ordered my jordans from collect a few months back they took forever to come because they had to send it from the u.s depot to the eu depot so not only did brexit affect it covid also affected the delivery and then it it had to get to my house obviously during the uk it was just a whirlwind suez canal we already know about that that unprecedented no one saw that coming but that that would be that would be the main effect of these that online business model, but it's still not as bad in comparison to the in-store, the in-store disadvantages during COVID. No, because you have like first of all, you'd have so much dead stock. Yeah. With the, with the in-store, think about when everything shut down, right? All the stores. Think about all that dead stock mm. that was there. That could have been the latest, newest collection that had just been put in store the day before. But now and then the, the day after it was shut. Yeah. The store was opened again, like, what, four or five months later. Who was going to buy those clothes? It's true. That's dead stock. It's true. Straight to, the le- straight to waste. The waste part is so disheartening. Like, straight to waste. Especially because all of the cheap labourers that have, like, properly worked on that for months, weeks, whatever, and then the effects on the environment to get rid of it all. So not only, not only it's cheaper to run an online business, but actually it's also more ethical and environmentally friendly i would say maybe not ethical on the part of the making of the clothes i mean the waste part during covid the waste part obviously was less of an issue but i still think the pollution that it caused to produce and the emissions that it caused to produce 
that sort of fashion on mass is more than high fashion yeah and i mean also the fact that it's like it's just it just goes straight to the bin yeah straight to the bin but there has been a change of heart with millennials and gen z never thought we'd come together and have a change of heart millennials gen z (laughs) together i thought we hated each other we do (laughs) um but i don't like my karens oh karens oh goodness me yeah anyway um we have had a change of heart i think a lot of us like i said at the beginning of this episode there has been a lot about new a lot in the news about fast fashion the effects of on climate change one of my friends actually produced a website to encourage people to go for more sustainable fashion and things like that and i think we've all been a lot more educated during the pandemic and there has been a rise in the use of depop and thrifting and things like that i think a lot of people have seen a lot of that on tiktok go thrifting emma chamberlain goes thrifting a lot of people are finding it a lot more trendy to go thrifting even victoria beckham came out and said that she gives a lot of her old clothes to thrift stores which has encouraged people to go thrifting in the more richer areas (laughs) cough cough (laughs) you didn't hear it from us like you know to you know get their fashion their secondhand fashion by the way depop is a platform where people can sell sell second made things second hand second yeah just just in case (laughs) oh people maybe the older audience yeah 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 that's true yeah depop is you know you can sell whether it's used or it's a great place for resellers but not everything that's used okay not everything there's there's select (laughs) few things that should not be on there but yeah but we've seen like a 48 percent increase from the millennial gen z era who plan on buying more secondhand fashion after the pandemic because they've started that trend during the pandemic which is quite crazy to me because there was a lot of materials that you couldn't touch because of covid and things like that but people are so willing to buy other people's products for the benefit of the climate and climate change and the effects it has and you know the impact the fast fashion has on like laborers and things like that i do think that that would be successful to an extent though because the secondhand industry will only be as successful mm. as it goes to like say vintage louis v uh, vintage dolce gabbana Dol- mm. uh, vintage high-end yeah. stuff i don't think it will be successful in regards to i don't know a vintage pretty little thing or vintage boohoo or but then again though i saw a tiktok with i'm hopeful going tk maxx where she was like oh my god oh polly oh my god um pretty little thing and stuff like that tk maxx is kind of like a off the catwalk kind of shop isn't it yeah not fast fashion well yeah. but it is though because it just resells fast fashion it's just a tk max is a reseller shop i think it's a mixture it resells both high-end and both fast fashion. and it gives sec and you can have second hand yeah oh that's quite cool i don't shop in tk max very often no i don't think you can have second hand you didn't get second hand from tk max no i thought it was straight off the catwalk yeah yeah oh, okay yeah. <laughs> learn something new every day you can get some like nice bag uh bags and like um sunglasses there they have like uh designer mm. sometimes and oh, shoes i buy my calvin klein socks from there there, there you go guys if you ever want to <laughs> see summer go to your local tk maxx and she will be found in the calvin klein socks aisle <laughs> But let's get into the future. What do we think post-COVID the fashion industry is going to be like? Obviously, we are not overly educated in the fashion industry, but based off our, this is opinion based off our research, based off our own opinion of social media and just the things that we've been researching, our commercial awareness skills um, and things like that. So, Well, I think that 
the inside the in well the in-person aspect of shopping has been diminishing for the last five to seven years Mm. and I think it will continue to diminish and I think it will eventually become extinct I don't think that we're gonna have high high uh high street fashion stores anymore Uh, maybe if we do maybe we'll have like showrooms but I don't think that we'll have stores I think it's just going to be mostly maybe print-on-demand services, which means basically kind of like making the garment on demand, which I mm. think that that would be very wise to do because you you would only make the garment once you have that order placed, which would significantly reduce a lot of the waste that fast fashion produces because obviously once you've made that, then there's a demand for it. So you're never going to end up with dead stock lying around mm. and therefore that reduces waste. But mm. then again, that's not to say that people will eventually mm. wear it once and then get bored of it and then the cycle keeps keeps continuing. But I do, I would love to see a more sharp rise in print and demand services and I guess maybe even drop shipping. But drop shipping has its limited, it's, mm. it's, it has its limitations. Again, it doesn't really alleviate the whole wastage problem. But I think, yeah, my prediction is that it's a, a, it's going to be a lot less in-store activity and a lot more online activity, mm. which would which could be great for the economy. Yeah, I think so. I think mine kind of coattails off yours. I agree with yours in the long term. But I think as soon as post-COVID happens, I think there's going to be a really stark increase of people going out. You already see it kind of now. But I think it's going to be like um, like a trend almost. Go mm-hmm. shopping, go out, just because we couldn't before. Like we can kind of now, but I think when life completely feels back to normal, when you don't have to wear a mask and things like that, I think in the short term, there's going to be a really stark increase of people going to the shop, in-store purchasing and things like that, I think. And fast fashion in terms of online businesses may see a slight decrease, but fast fashion overall will still be on the rise. I mean, Topshop has gone bust. They've been liquidated. Peacocks as well. I think Select has been in the process of being bankrupt for a while. So, you know, a lot we, we've seen a lot of major effects in most of our high street stores anyway, our fast fashion high street stores. So I, but yeah, I do think there's going to be... But you know what? <laughs> New look is still standing somehow. Uh, yeah, honestly, and next. But I don't know. But yeah, hey man, no embarrassment, no embarrassment. Yeah, Judgment I'm, free zone. We're saying that because we're Gen Z though. Because a lot of millennials shop in next. Yes, I hope you guys find your skinny jeans. <laughs> Stop throwing shade. <laughs> My gosh, hating on millennials. But yeah, anyway, I think there will be a stock increase at the beginning maybe for the first year or so i don't even know if it will last that long but overall i think fast fashion will reign supreme online because people will just be more used to it more familiar with it prefer the entire process more i mean the zara website you can't shop on there at all anyway but then you've got websites like you know pretty little thing misguided boohoo that not only present their clothes more efficiently but also have influencer support you know instagram is going to turn more like facebook marketplace by like selling like more advertising things to purchase rather than a photo dumping kind of app that's going to be a transition that they're going to make that they've recently stated and which could potentially impact the online yeah. business model because yeah. you no longer have that monetization of influencer outreach no yeah so i think i think we're gr- we've said in the influencer episode that we we think there's going to be a growing decline of influencer culture 
because of the changing attitudes towards social media anyway but I think ultimately the online fast fashion industry is gonna they're gonna find some way to adjust because they just do they just keep growing and it's just even though there was a 12.32% decrease, I don't think there's, in comparison, they're not going to have an overall decrease. And we, the final statistic of the episode, um, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation have stated that by 2050, the fa- the fashion industry could be responsible for 26% of the world's total carbon emission. So if... Now that is just over a quarter, guys. That's absolutely surreal. And this is the problem with fast fashion. I'm not saying that the the stark increase in, you know, fast fashion is a positive thing. I'm just saying that I just think that's going to happen. And I think we sh- I greatly encourage secondhand purchasing of clothes, Depop, you know, thrifting. You can find some great stuff in th- great stuff in thrift stores or even maybe try and learn a new skill and you know design your own clothes alter something that you already have in your wardrobe or things like that or don't buy new fast fashion outfits every day every event day you know i mean it's interesting you said about the stark increase because i was like i said i was in westfield yesterday and every single shop i went inside Mm. i went inside just to put into perspective for you guys i went inside three shops and it took me about one hour and 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. And when I finished with these free shops, I was so tired that I was like, never again. Like, I was sweating. I was tired. And every single shop that I went inside, I was like, I walked in and I was like, you know what? I can do this online. Yeah. Like, that was my thought for yeah. my thought process. Because then I saw something that I liked and then I looked at the queue and I was like, that's not worth it. Yeah. So I was just like nah I can do this online and it comes to my house I don't even have to carry it yeah I think it's going to be increased everyone's going to realize they can do everything online then decrease again it's going to be a quick shoot up and then a quick shoot down I think but in conclusion fast fashion is here to stay unless major restructuring restructurings happen to Mm. the traditional financial system and I think we should all encourage this um, transition not to tell you guys what to do but I think for the benefit of not only our climate but these cheap laborers and just how life affects those children and women and um, even some young men um, across uh, the poorer countries I think we should very much encourage secondhand purchasing do your part guys (laughs) but anyway I think we're gonna leave it here this is a quite lengthy episode but meaty yes um let us know if you enjoyed any of the things that we discussed or if you absolutely hated some of the things we discussed always open for some criticism but we hope you guys have a great day no matter where you're listening to this episode and we'll see you again next week we will bye Bye, guys. guys